This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, it's time for more stories from the farm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, end of the year, last of the stories. Um, for, for this, last of the stories for this year. For this year. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear. I honestly don't even remember how much I've talked about hatching goose eggs. I mean, I know we talked about, hey, I collected eggs, and oh, my God, they hatched. And then I ended up with this one solitary goose from the first little batch of three eggs. And there's a whole story that goes behind all of this that you can read on Patreon. It's free. Uh, look for the post that says uh, random musings, writing in babies, so many babies. And that will give you like the full post if you want it in much, how do I say this? <laughs> if you would like it far better articulated than I can do when I'm speaking, um, I sound, every time I open my mouth, I lose about 80, uh, 80 IQ points. But um, so the, the details are all online. But the gist of it is that it takes about 35 days for geese eggs to hatch. And they, um, you, but you can only leave, like, hold on to the eggs a certain amount of time before you put them into the incubator. They start losing viability. So I ended up in this situation where I had these constant, like, there's always, every couple of weeks, there's another batch of eggs ready to hatch. But geese only lay, like, every two days. Sometimes there's even more space between that. So... I was putting these batches of eggs in, but it was never a lot of eggs at any one time. Might be, you know, seven eggs, five eggs, maybe 10 if I was lucky. But when you put these eggs in, A, not every egg is going to be fertile. B, not every egg is going to take, like they'll, they'll start and then they quit. And then even for the eggs that make it all the way to hatch time, not every egg is going to hatch because hatching is a very, very uh, demanding physical process that if the embryo or the, I don't even know what you call a hatchling at that point, is not fully healthy, really strong, it does not have what it takes to get out of the shell. And so all the experts are like, oh, hatching geese is really, really difficult. Um, you, you know, you're better off having uh, a goose do it. If you can get even 50% of your eggs to hatch, then you're doing really good. If you're doing it yourself, whatnot. And so just so many things went on that I ended up in this situation where I had one lonely goose and then another lonely goose. <laughs> and then finally that little lonely goose had some friends. And now I've got another batch of eggs that's hatching. And my, my whole thing was like, I swear to God, if this is one more situation where I just get one lonely goose, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. But as it turns out, 
apparently I'm a much better hatcher than my geese are because as we speak of the six eggs that made it through to the end, four have hatched and one is in the process of hatching. And I don't know what's going to happen to the sixth one. It might not actually be alive anymore. I don't know. But the point being that now I am about to be a wash in goose babies. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, I just uh, and right right as Christmas and, and the holidays and uh, I've just got so many babies and there's the the geese and then there's the goat baby and then there's the kitten who's still in the holy terror phase and I'm just like oh my ovaries are shrinking just just at the mere thought of more babies. <laughs> All right, and our topic for today, and this will likely be kind of a shortish show since we're right at the end of the year, we're going to talk about reviews. And I, it, it, first, I would like to review some some previous conversations we've had about reviews, and these are uh, I'm going to be using Amazon specifically as a source of reviews. But Taylor, do you remember a conversation we had a few years ago about reviews where you felt like the most important review for a book could be a well-thought-out, less-than-stellar review. Do you remember that conversation? Yes. At the time, I had said that a well-written, and I was talking specifically about Amazon uh, for this, because that is where, like, I don't know, 70, 80% of eBooks are sold, and where most people go to check out what's being said about a book for those people who do look at reviews and some people don't but when you have all five star glowing reviews a lot of readers will just discount that as oh that's all got to be friends and family or paid for or whatever and if, if there's because every book has something negative said about it if there's nothing being neg negative being said about that book, then what's why? Like that, that does not jive with reality. So even though as an author, it really can sting when somebody says anything less than flattering about your work, as far as the impressions that it makes on future potential readers, a very well-written three-star review, which Amazon will rank as a negative review, because it's not four and five stars, a very well-written three-star review that highlights all the strengths of the book and points out the few things that the reader didn't care for, not on the basis of, you know, this author sucked, I couldn't understand anything, but, you know, this wasn't my cup of tea because that will do more to sell a book than all the five stars combined because readers will look at that and go, okay, this is an honest review. It's not 100% flattering. They obviously read it. They found some faults in it. And those faults don't matter to me. I want to read this book. That's kind of the gist of what was said all those years ago. Okay. And I had noticed, and this is the reason I, I, I was talking to Taylor about this a few weeks ago and we decided to do a show about it. I've noticed, and I suspect you have as well, if you if you look at reviews on Amazon for books that you're searching for, that there's been a change in the way... It's not so much the way people are reviewing books, but the way people are voting on the reviews. And as you probably... Uh, go ahead. 
Well, no, I, I'm like, oh, tell me about, tell me more, because I, you know, haven't had a book come out for a while, <laughs> so I haven't really been paying attention. So the the way reviews work, it, I mean, you write the review, and if your if your review is early and it's well reasoned, people will click that little thing that says this is helpful, and the more this is helpful clicks you get, the higher up it goes. To the point where if you write a really well thought out review that's helpful to lots of people, you will very likely show up on the first page of reviews. You may even be the first review. And over the course of the last the last couple of years, I've I've noticed this as a trend and now it's kind of an out of control trend in my mind where the most negative review gets the most positive feedback, which I find maybe just sort of a commentary on the times in which we live. And I'll I'll give you. Is that straight across the board or is that like for books that people have uh, a uh, beef with the author about something? Well, I'm going to give a couple of examples. Okay. So the first example, this is a Harlan Coben book. And I love Harlan Coben's Myron Bolitar series. And, and for, for people who have read it, um, there's this character, this side character, that is essentially the hawk to uh, where Spencer has hawk, um, Myron has win. Wins this, you know, he's the bad guy sidekick. And I've always thought, wouldn't it be great if there was a win book? And when I saw that there was, and I'd completely missed it, I just saw it somewhere, I went to Amazon to get the book. The title of the book is Win. The book has 21,741 reviews. Oh, my God. The average review is 4.4 out of 5. The number one ranked review reads as follows. How is this person a New York Times bestselling author? This is just trash. And that is the the top-rated review that 125 (laughs) people found helpful. Oh, my God. That was the title of the review. The first sentence is, one of the worst books I've ever opened. This reads like a high school bros fanfic. Now, I I read the book, and I I loved it. I I I would be prone. It would have been shocking if I didn't like it. All right, so that's I didn't the know first. You were a one. high school bro, did you, Steve? That's the first. That's the first review. Here's the second one. Waste your money, don't bother, trash. Oh my god. Verified purchase. Here's the third one. Again, this is has 21,000 reviews with a 4.4 star but, but, average okay. rating. But only 125 helpful likes on the very very top. Yes. Negative review. Yes. Or top review at all. And the second one is 95 likes. But the problem is that once you get voted up, people don't see beyond the first 10 because then you have to click to see more to go beyond the first 10. So the third review with 88 hopeful votes is very disappointing. Um, and this person at least said that he was a huge fan of the author and was disappointed in the book at he felt like it dragged on with superfluous rhetoric and was boring. I did not feel that way. And then the fourth mm-hmm. review 
is uh, title is a five-star review. And then after that, it's five-star, 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 five-star. And then uh, a, a well-reasoned, lengthy two-star review down at the bottom. So this person actually thought, you know, read it, didn't like it, explained why they didn't like it. And, um, you know, that was, so that was the first negative review that was actually well thought out that wasn't just spewing dislike against the author. So that's, that's the, that's the book win from Harlan Coben. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I I have thoughts, but I'm waiting to hear like, what, so what are some of the others? Okay. So here's, here's the other one that I'm using as an example. This is Michael Conley, uh, Michael Conley's new book, uh, the Dark Hours, which happens to be, I believe, the number, well, let's see. It's number 11 in the store this week, if that tells you anything. Wow, um, yeah. Number 11 in the store means it's selling like crazy, and it released uh, almost a month ago. Wow. So it's, uh, it's done very well. Um, average, it's got 11,000 reviews. Average is 4.7 out of 5. Wow. Number one highest rated review is, and this is maybe getting a little political. This is the Karen of California cop novels. <laughs> uh, the second that's one. The enti- that's it? Well, no, that's the, that's that's the, the, that's the title. That's okay. the title. And then it's, um, then he, the, he explains the reason reasoning. Uh, the third review is titled COVID Piety. Uh, the fourth review, a one-star, good book, bad political agenda. Uh, fourth star, the next one-star review, wokeism rears its ugly head. So this is, this is more people not happy with the politics of the book, which is, which is fair, okay, but, you happens. know, wh- yeah. why... <laughs> It the the point of this is don't freak out if you, if you get a negative review and it shows up on top because it's happening to really big time top selling authors. Here's the number eleven book in the store, four point seven average rating, and four out of the last uh, the first five reviews are scathing and just ripping the book. So where I'm curious is if you're seeing this same trend on books that are way down the line, because when I hear this on mega bestsellers like that, Mm -hmm. it it makes sense to me that this is what's going to happen. You are a big target. People are going to shoot their arrows. And um, I would even suspect that people clicking on those helpful, like this review was helpful, are people who didn't like the book, read it, didn't like it, decided to see what other people were saying about it. And instead of writing their own review, just clicked, yeah, I agree with the, with you and clicked helpful on that negative comment. Um, and so it's not so much readers who are going, oh, I want to read these reviews to see if it's someone that I want to read or not as it would be in the case of a much lesser known author so my sense of it is the bigger you are the more you're going to get this type of stuff because you are just for the sheer volume of it but people who are buying 
those stories are not even reading the they, like they already know they like you know you don't buy Harlan Coben and go oh I've never heard of him before like most people who are buying Harlan Coben know exactly who he is and exactly what they he writes and they don't even read the reviews so I think those reviews are coming from people who um, like the likes and the helpfulness of it are coming from people who agree with it after they've read the story my to like I could be completely wrong but that's the sense of it that I'm getting. I, my sense would be different. My sense is that people heard about the book and heard that it, in the case of, of the second one, um, not the win book. I, I, I just don't get the win thing at all. I, I do kind of get the Michael Conley book. If there was a political agenda or, or people yeah. perceived there was a politi- political agenda <clears throat> there and then they post that on Facebook. So then someone just goes in and sees the book and says, yeah, I like this review because it, yeah, it rips this guy. So I don't, I, I would be surprised if the people who are voting those reviews up re- read, even the book. read the book. That would surprise yeah, me. I, I agree with you on that. I mean, that's what happened with Lauren Huff's book too is yes. she made some some comments on Twitter uh, that were in you know she was she has a very dark dry sense of humor and if you follow her on Twitter you get that and if you don't then you it would it, it's not going to read the same and some of those comments got out beyond her group I guess you could say of people who know who she is and how she is and it just created this massive negative storm and people were like on Goodreads, you don't have to have be a verified purchaser to write the review. You can, anybody can write anything. There's, there's reviews on Goodreads for books that haven't even come out yet and won't be coming out for a year trashing the book. And that's just, that's that environment. But on Amazon, they're a little more policey on who can post. And so it, on Amazon, you get these situations where someone who did buy the book, post something negative and then all these people thousands of people who can't write their own negative review without buying it or you know they can't just trust the author they all just go and like those negative reviews to drive it up so that absolutely that part of reviews where it's become a a statement on the author and not the book itself Although in the case of if it, the book is filled with politics and it will be on the book itself, too, um, that's sort of become. It's new. It didn't used to be like that with reviews. And now it's just one more mechanism or one more uh, lever on which uh, a segment of the population votes their approval or disapproval of the person who wrote the book. Okay, it's so- like Twitter brought to Amazon. Yes. Now, here's another thing that's changed over the course of the last few years. I don't know exactly when it changed, but for people who regularly read on a Kindle, you get to the end of the Kindle and it will ask you what star rating you give you would give the book. Yeah. So it's super easy to give a rating, but those ratings didn't used to count the way they count now. That's it, true. Yes. It used to be that you, you had to write a review for your review to to really count you had to at least take the time to write a few i think it was like 50 words was the minimum that you could include if you wanted to leave a star rating so so now now you just so here's a here's another book and this is you'd ask the question is it just 
uh, high-profile authors. I, I went to a, um, a high-profile indie author um, who, you know, in, in terms of profile, would be like a gazillion steps below Michael Conley or, um, or Harlan Coben. And his book had, it was like two notches below um, the Michael Conley book on the bestseller list. And wait, but it's still on the bestseller list. Yes, it's it's selling like crazy. But from a from an author profile standard, there there would be a big difference. And people, everyone knows who Michael Conley is. Um, not everybody knows who this this particular author is. Yeah, but still the volume, you know. Yeah. So anyway, this, this particular um, this had seven thousand ratings. And the numbers I was saying earlier, when I, I was saying reviews, those were actually ratings, not reviews. So I was mistaken okay. there. So this has 7,000 ratings, which is a lot. But if you... Oh, if wait, you, wait, wait, just a little perspective here, a little perspective. Uh, uh-huh. The Informationist, which is my best-selling book, which mm-hmm. has sold, I don't know, over 100,000 copies, has like 600? So But that came out right? during like, a time when you had to write a review... And yes, and not everybody bought their book at Amazon then. Yes, or not everybody bought true. their. I mean, there were a lot. A, there were probably a lot more hardcover copies of your book that was sold back then than there were. The percentage is probably percentage, much yes. different between hardcover yes. and ebook for the and informationist and the the second Jack and Jill book, for example. One hundred percent. Yes. Okay. I agree. So this particular book. Um, Overall rating, 4.5 out of 5 stars. The, uh, there are no scathing reviews up at the top. But the interesting thing is there were only 169 reviews. So it's okay. 6,900 ratings. Yeah. So it's mostly ratings. So if that's the case, then looking at the star rating the average store rating and saying, yes, this is a well-received book and ignoring the trash talkers that are at the top of the review list would, would seem to be a useful strategy as a reader. Now I've also seen this not just for books, but for products as well. And if you buy products from Amazon, you've probably seen the same thing where you, you have to scroll down to maybe the fifth or sixth review to find someone who didn't write a one-star review because the packaging was bent when they got it from <laughs> Amazon or something. Yeah. I mean, Amazon is its own, uh, its own murky. It's its own world in terms of just everything related but I, to it. This, this takes me back to a story with a, a, an author friend who has since departed. His name was T.S. Paul. His book's, were not critically well received by authors or, or or by reviewers who judged the writing of the books, but his readers loved his books, and they just kept buying them. And his comment to me every time I would talk to him is, "I don't even look at the reviews. I don't care. It makes no difference to me. It makes no difference to my sales. Um, I sell way more than the people who are getting." Uh, much better reviews in the same genre, and uh, that seems seems like it may be more true today than it was than it was then. It's all about finding finding your readers and and having those readers buy your stuff. 
Yeah, but that's the catch-22, isn't it? Yes, it is the catch-22. But from a review standpoint, it's it, it's easy to get wrapped up in... Oh, and, and I, because I, I work for a publisher, I will get emails from writers all the time or messages from writers saying someone wrote a really terrible review of my book and it's the first review. And is there anything you can do to get it taken down? And this, the answer is no, there's nothing you can do Correct. to get it taken down unless it's just malicious or something like that. Um, there's, there's nothing. We even had an instance where the review was of a comic book with the same title. And they oh, it wasn't down. even for the same book. <laughs> they, were, they gave it a one-star <laughs> review because it wasn't a comic book. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> I thought they would take that one down, but they, they, they would not take that one down. Yeah, I mean, it is such a fraught issue. Like, you need the reviews to get the algorithms to recognize that you exist and put your work in front of new readers. Like, there's a point where you have enough of an audience that it's self-sustaining, but getting to that point reviews, unfortunately, it's not even what's said. It's just the fact that they exist that determines so much of what happens next. And I've been out of it for a while now, so I don't, I don't know anymore. I just, it is unfair. That's the only thing. The whole system is unfair. (laughs) Well, I mean, one other one other big takeaway. I was talking with a, a new author the other day whose first book is going to publish at the end of the year. And he was asking, what can I do um, to help with the book? And the two things I said were, number one, write something at the back of the book to your readers that will allow them to connect with you because that makes a really big difference when you're brand new. If someone gets to the end of the book and cares enough about the book, to read what you have to say about writing the book or your life or whatever. Um, they're, they're on the verge of becoming a super fan. And the second thing was ask for the review, just ask and ask in every single book. And so many people, it, it feels cheesy to ask for, it's for hard. a review, it's really hard. but they're yeah. so important. And I, I've, I'm sure this has happened to you, Taylor, where someone will send you a message on Facebook and say, this is the best book I've ever read. This is, you know, it's changed my life. Everything about and it I'm is like, fantastic. Could you please go put that in a review? Please yes, just tell the rest of the world. copy and paste it. Yes, into a review. <laughs> yes. As I, ah, I don't know. It's, it's, that's, that's too much trouble. <laughs> now, if, if every single person who wrote me saying, oh, my God, uh, you know, I loved your book so much had took the time to also tell the world um yeah it's possible the monroe series would still be going (laughs) it's just it's there's just an assumption that if you're published of course you're going to keep getting published um you know oh i will i love this author but i'm gonna wait till the whole series comes out before i buy the first book yeah you're not going to get a whole series at that point because it's just not how the publishing system work industry works it's what works for you as a reader, and it's totally fair, but it it comes with the side effect as well. So, uh, yeah, just reviews do matter, but not always in the way that authors think that they do. Like, for the authors, it's often so much about how the reviews make you feel, but yes. for sales, it's a completely different thing. Yes, and, and for an, from an algorithm standpoint, it's just getting someone to write enough words in the review to uh 
for it to qualify as a review. Yes, and I think that um, is, I think one of the biggest, maybe for readers, a big stumbling block for writing reviews is that, well, A, sometimes, at least in the olden days, I don't know if it's still like this, reviews would get torn apart by other reviewers. And nobody wants to put themselves out like that. But also, there's this sense of, oh, people are going to read what I write if I post it publicly, and I don't really know how to write well, so I don't want to do that. You know, that's embarrassing. But it, it doesn't matter if reviews are written well. Like you just said, the most helpful votes went for the <laughs> review. Like, this is trash. Um, you know, I love this book because da-da-da-da-da is a review. And that's all that it needs to be. It doesn't have to be well-written. It doesn't even have to be well-spelled or full of perfect grammar. Just the fact that it's done is what matters the most. Yeah, here's here's the, I, I think this is the first of the, no, it's it's like the third of the really high highly rated reviews on the Win book. Love these stories of Myron Wynn and families. Great storytelling as always. How I wish there was a follow-on to immediately dive into, period. That was it. Perfect. Five stars. Great. Yeah. 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 So ask for the review. Ask for the rating at the end of the book um, because your readers want to help you. They want to help you succeed. If they got far enough, if, if, if they get all the way to the end, they, they care enough uh, to want to help you. Yeah. I agree. That's all very, very thoughtful and fascinating to me since I'm not really that well integrated into it all anymore. So that is it, not only for this week's show, but for this year's show. Yeah. Our last show of 2021. And we will be back with you. We're going to take another one week break over the uh, New Year's holiday. We will be back with you on Jan Tuesday, January 11th. So have a fantastic New Year. Stay safe. And we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Been awesome having you on this journey with us, guys. And we will see you on the other side of the year.